You're listening to the Earn That Body podcast, episode number 271. Welcome to the Earn That Body show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. with the Earn That Body podcast. Great to have you back and I hope you're ready for an awesome topic this week because it's Ask Me Anything. And in the Ask Me Anything podcast episode, I have gone out on social media and within some of our private community Facebook groups, clients directly um, get to ask me a question either about my own personal health and fitness that they might have a question about or a question for them about something that's going on with them and they would like me to answer that question. And it's usually in regard to health, fitness, and nutrition. So it definitely sort of applies to everyone. I feel like a lot of the questions that get asked are so interesting to everybody, even if you weren't someone who asked one of those questions. So that's going to be lots of fun. There were lots of good questions this time. I try to do it once a quarter. Um, What else is going on with Earn That Body? Well, not a whole lot. We're sort of mid-May. Things are going great. Summer is approaching. A lot of people have school that's ending soon, Um, graduations for some people. So it can be a really exciting time of year. It can also be a really busy, kind of hectic time of year. But I always try to tell people, no matter what, it's usually a lot of fun, exciting things going on this time of year. And so even though it gets a little hectic and can get stressful, try to enjoy every moment because these are the memories that will last a lifetime. Now, I did recently hear um, from a client of mine, I believe she's in the challenge right now, but she said, hey, a bunch of us up in Canada are huge podcast followers, binge listeners, and I just wanted to give you a shout out. Thank you to the Canada group. (laughs) I always get excited when I hear something like that, so awesome. I'm so glad that you are listening to Earn That Body all the way out in Canada. Um, what else? I also got a question from a few people saying, hey, how come like once a month there isn't a podcast? Like you'll skip a week. Generally, I skip a week of the podcast after a holiday weekend. What are the reasons for that? Well, one... Almost always after a holiday weekend, I see a decline in listening rates. And that's just because everybody is always like trying to get back on track with work and you have so much going on. And so I feel like it gives people a chance to just breathe and not miss an episode. Uh, Two, I don't do the podcast in seasons. Like some people do it in seasons, meaning they'll do a season one and then they'll take off for like a month or two. I just keep going. (laughs) So sometimes having that week off on a holiday week just helps me as well because it's definitely, you know, a process putting the podcast together. So that's a combination. If there's ever um, a week that the podcast is not on live, then it is probably because it was a holiday weekend. Just so you know, lots of people were asking. Okay, we've got the Ask Me Anything episode and we're going to get to that after this. Now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, I am going to bring you something from um, my personal experience, I guess you can say, or what's kind of going on right now with lots of clients. So in Eagle's Eye on Health, I try to bring you either news, education, tips, or inspiration. Today, I want to talk to you about 
Eating Breakfast. And although there is an Eating Breakfast podcast episode that you can 100% go back and check out, what I'm finding is that I will ask a client if they eat breakfast and they will say yes. And then sometimes that seems like we can just move on then from that topic. But then I find out later that they eat breakfast at like 11.30 a.m. Okay. And then I find out they wake up at like 5.30 a.m. Okay. Well, so yes, technically they feel that they have eaten breakfast because they ate breakfast style food, meaning that's when they had their waffle. That's when they had their eggs or their oatmeal. That is not eating breakfast. That is basically intermittent fasting where you have gone from the night before when you went to sleep all the way until it could be 10 a.m., 11, 11.30. That is a long period of time to go without food. That isn't really going to benefit you. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of intermittent fasting. I've done an intermittent fasting podcast that you should definitely check out if you have questions about it. There are benefits to some people who have certain illnesses, but I can tell you this. I have been helping people lose weight for, gosh, like 12 plus years right now. I have seen everything. And what I have seen work more than not is getting people to eat breakfast and eat it earlier. And when they do that, it's like they have a shift in metabolism and they feel it and they see it and we get weight loss. So all I can tell you is this, if you don't eat until 1130, that's not ideal if you're trying to lose weight. If it's working for you and you're doing great and you're at the perfect weight and you feel awesome, awesome. But if you come to me and you're like, I can't lose weight, it's so hard to lose weight, all I wanna do is lose weight, nothing I do is helping me lose weight, but you're still eating late at 11.30 at 10, you're eating after your workout, not before, let me tell you something, what you're doing isn't working and that's why you want to make a change, okay? So eating breakfast, I generally recommend you start eating breakfast within 30 to 45 minutes of waking up. Now it doesn't have to be a huge meal, especially if you're someone who has not been eating breakfast for a very long time, or at least not that early. Go ahead and start small, whole grain toast with a little bit of peanut butter. Um, Maybe you have a banana and peanut butter to start and then A couple hours later, you can maybe finish that breakfast with a lot more protein in it and sort of like, it's almost like dividing your breakfast up in two. You have part of it then, part of it after, and that's going to equal a full breakfast. But getting some calories in right away is really going to help your metabolism fire up for the day. And this also plays into you must eat something before that workout. And so a lot of people don't eat until later in the morning because they're like, look, I work out at seven in the morning. I don't have time. Okay, I sometimes have to go downtown Austin to do a long run and I have to be there at 5.45 in the morning. I live almost an hour away. That means I have to leave here at about 4.45 in the morning. That means that I have to eat something when I get up at 4.30 or on my drive over there. I eat that early. Why? Because it's not fair to ask my body to go and do a workout, especially a long run, if it doesn't have any fuel. It doesn't have any gas in the tank, right? And my run is gonna be terrible. 
So you're gonna burn more calories if you can eat something before that workout. You're gonna burn more calories overall in the day if we can get your metabolism fired up earlier and you do that by eating, not by starving. So Eagle's Eye on Health today is sort of a reminder. We eat breakfast within 30 to 45 minutes of waking up, I highly recommend it, and eating something before the workout. Going into a workout fasted, it's not going to benefit you, all right? It's simply not going to. Like I've said, I've been working with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of clients and I have seen what works and what doesn't work. And if you're struggling right now to lose weight, just remember, whatever you're doing is not working. So be open to change. All right, everybody, let's talk about, I guess, me. (laughs) Not just me. Some people had some questions about themselves as well. But this is the Ask Me Anything podcast. And if you ever want to submit a question for Ask Me Anything, simply send it to Kim at EarnThatBody.com. Go to the website, EarnThatBody.com. Go to the contact page and send me an email there. However you want to, you can ask me a question or you can ask a question about your health and fitness and I can try to answer it for you. So sometimes people have a question like, are they doing this right? Or what do I recommend for this? Or why is this happening? And I like to use this quarterly podcast episode to sort of offer that free advice, free information, and free education. So by all means, even though this podcast happened today, if you have a question about you, shoot me an email. I'll put it on the list for next time I do the episode. Now, a lot of these came from Instagram today. I did an Instagram story post and said, hey, do you have anything you want me to cover on the episode? And so some of you, I'm not gonna, I don't have your names because your name is not necessarily correlated to your Instagram handle. And so a couple of these don't have names, um, which is fine. Uh, I will start with the first one. So somebody asked me, are you plant-based? So I like to always make sure that people understand what that means. People say they're on a plant-based diet, they're going plant-based, and a lot of people think that that means that you are a vegetarian. So that is actually not what plant-based is, and I really think it's important to go over that. Again, there is a plant-based podcast episode. If you've missed it and you have questions about plant-based, you can get a little more information. But plant-based, and this is coming, I wanna just read you the the actual definition from Harvard Health. Plant-based or plant-forward eating, as some people call it, is when you focus on foods primarily from plants. This includes not only fruits and vegetables, but also nuts, seeds, oils, whole grains, legumes, and beans. It does not mean that you are a vegetarian or a vegan and never eat meat or dairy. It rather means you proportionately are choosing more of your foods from plant sources. So when someone asks me, are you plant-based? I sort of would say yes, because I eat a heavily, you know, strong amount of plant foods, meaning I eat two servings of fruits a day, I get five servings of vegetables a day, and that's a lot. Um, I think it's funny because sometimes I have people who tell me they're plant-based and then I look at their food log and I don't see any vegetables. I see sometimes a lot of fruit, but um, plant-based does not mean that it's just going meat-free, okay? It's not that at all. 
Um, so are you plant-based? I guess I would say yes, but I definitely eat meat. So I have chicken once a week, ground turkey once a week. I have fish, hopefully I try for twice a week. I have um, meatless meals once to twice a week, usually some kind of tofu dish. I have red meat about once a month, maybe twice. Um, so I have a real moderation in terms of the meat that I eat. But uh, besides that, then I always load up my meals with as many veggies as I can, a couple fruits a day as well. So there you have it in terms of are you plant-based? The next question someone had from Insta was, weekends are killing me. Kim, how do you stay on track on a weekend? Look, weekends are tough for everybody when it comes to staying healthy. And for most people, they're talking about their nutrition. A lot of people have no problem getting their workouts in. Even on a weekend, there's really no excuse to not get a workout in on a weekend. For some people, getting that workout in during the week is really tough because they work and they just can't fit it all in. But on the weekend, there should be no excuses, right? So mostly people are struggling with nutrition. Why is that? Because we all want to eat out on the weekend. We're exhausted from the week and I'm right there with you. Like I cook during the week and I don't want to cook anymore on the weekend. And you want to have a little fun. Like you cooked healthy all week, hopefully. Um, and you want to enjoy your weekend. How do I personally stay on track? Well, I do it just the same way that I recommend all of you do it. I, I don't, I really, there's just about nothing out there that I'm preaching that I don't practice. I eat really healthy Monday through Friday, and then I will eat out at least twice on the weekend, meaning my dinners. I generally never eat out for breakfast, generally. Um, once in a while, I might get to eat some pancakes with a good friend of mine, <laughs> but that doesn't happen very often. Um, so I generally don't eat out for breakfast, and I generally don't eat out for lunch because I would rather save it for my dinner out. And I will go out to Mexican food probably once a week on the weekend. I may bring in pizza as one of those nights or go out for pizza. Generally, I bring in pizza, uh, meaning I don't, I can't tell you the last time I've gone to a restaurant and ordered pizza. So that's how I do it. I don't overdo it when I eat out. I get a normal serving of food. I try to restrict and not have the entire bag of chips or, or basket of chips at the Mexican food place. I have about two slices of pizza. I don't eat the whole pizza pie. Um, you know, so I feel like you can go out twice and really in, just relax and enjoy without full sabotage. What I don't like that people do is these cheat days. A cheat day on the weekend will undo everything that you did during the week. I mean, I have seen what people eat on cheat days and it is like above and beyond a normal amount of calories often. And also just so you know, cheating is generally a bad thing, right? If you cheat in school, that's not looked upon very well. If you cheat on your spouse, not a good thing. I don't think you should ever call eating food cheating. I don't think you should look at yourself that way. If you wanna have some pizza, have some pizza. You're not doing something wrong. 
Um, but maybe you don't eat the entire pizza, right? You have a couple slices, that's totally fine. You wanna have some chocolate cake? Have a slice of cake, that's not cheating. So I just always like people to be very cautious as well of the words that they use. So that's how I enjoy my weekend. I also have two sweet treats for sure every weekend. It could be ice cream, it could be some cookies and milk, um, but I do. And I don't eat the whole box, but I have a few cookies and it's not going to hurt you. The last thing I wanna say is that for me, I'm on maintenance, meaning I'm not trying to lose weight. So that's a little bit easier than when you're trying to lose weight. If you're trying to lose weight, you do have to be extra cautious on the weekends, right? If you overdo it, even with your two meals out, it could be incredibly high fat, high calories, and it could impact the scale a little bit. I still think you can make two, uh, two times eating out work and still lose weight, but I wanna let people know that once you get to goal weight, it's easier to maintain. And I help my clients learn how to maintain their weight without food logging even. But that is a process and something that you learn and it gets easier to do than weight loss. So weekends become a little easier once you're in that maintenance zone. I hope that answers your question for you about how I handle the weekends. All right, somebody asked, if I can fit chocolate into my calories every day, why is that not okay? Well, first of all, it's not that it's not okay. <laughs> um, some people love, you know, a Hershey's kiss every night after dinner. You can, you can do that, you know. This all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Are you trying to be fit? Are you trying to be healthy? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you maintaining your weight? Like, it really just depends what you have going on. But I will tell you this. Yeah, you could probably easily fit a couple Hershey's Kisses into your calories and your sugars and make it all work with your macros if you really wanted to. But if you eat chocolate every day, you will crave chocolate every day. And I think that's where the biggest issue is, is that it's just a lot of sugar, processed sugar usually, and it's just becoming, it becomes an addiction. Sugar, just like alcohol, is an addiction for people. And so also what happens is sometimes what starts off as one Hershey kiss becomes two, becomes three, and that can increase as well. And again, you're craving it each night because you're giving it to yourself each night. So I personally don't recommend the sweet treats during the week. Again, I live by these rules too. I try to save them for the weekends. And then you can really like enjoy it, right? It's not just something you have every day, but you just kind of savor it on the weekends and you look forward to it. And then you don't create that daily craving and that daily habit. Next question someone had from Insta was, how many marathons do you run a year and what do you think is right for others? So a marathon is a lot on the human body. Okay, at any age, it is a lot on the human body. I personally have never done, I'm trying to make sure here, I don't think, I have never done more than one marathon in a year. That being said, I believe one year I did a marathon and an Ironman. And in an Ironman, there is a marathon. So technically, maybe once I did it twice. <laughs> but I don't even recommend that. I think that a marathon is, is a lot. And the training and the build of a marathon is a lot. And so once a year for me is a max. Um, what is right for you? I mean, it depends on you, but I would say two a year is an 
all-time max. When I see people running more than two a year, what I generally see is a lot of injury. I'm talking chronic injuries like, oh, they always have a knee problem, they always have a foot problem, they always have a hip problem, a back problem that never goes away. And they keep running and they keep racing and they keep that mileage high. And it's, I mean, your body when you get injured that much is just waving a red flag at you. And it's saying, look, this isn't working for me. We gotta do something. We got." And some people listen to the red flags and some people don't. But again, two a year, in my opinion, is a max, and that is spread out. Like, I hope it's one every six months. Like, gotta, you have to recover after a marathon. You have to have a full recovery time. Um, very low mileage, a couple weeks with no running, and then very low mileage and no speed work, and, you know, giving yourself time to ramp back up. Um, otherwise, you're just risking injury. You're never going to get faster because that many marathons, it's like it's just a complete depletion on the body. Uh, and the thing is, for those of you who are asking these kind of questions, you obviously love to run, right? I mean, I love it too. If you love to run and you want to run well into your older years and you never want to have to quit, then don't run so many marathons because it's just increasing your chance of an injury that you may never recover from. And wouldn't that be the worst thing in the world? To me, I'd rather run one a year and be able to do this forever than run too many in one year and have to stop. That being said, I will not be running one marathon a year forever. (laughs) I personally, in my mind, feel that I have three marathons left in this hip because I do have a labral hip tear that has not been fixed because it doesn't have to be right now. The doctor assured me I'm still okay. Um, I think I have three left. And so my last three, I have Berlin in September, and then I will probably take the year off, and then I hope to do Tokyo. And then um, I would like to finish off my marathon running career with the Boston Marathon. That is my goal. I will hit all six Abbott Marathon races um, around the world when I do that. And then I think I'll be a half marathon girl after that because I'm about to turn 50 and I can feel the impact of the long runs. I don't have, knock on wood, I gotta find wood. There, I just knocked on it. Um, I I don't have any injuries right now. Like I said, I have a labral hip tear that was from when I was a dancer. And uh, otherwise I don't have any injuries right now and that's how I want it because I want to work out and I want to run until the day I die. So I am willing to take it slow, to do one marathon a year max, and to also uh, potentially cut that back to half marathons, okay? So that is my recommendation for my endurance crazy friends like myself. (laughs) Okay, Um, this next one came directly from a client. Um, This one question, and I believe she's asking for herself, Miss Cindy Gibson. She wants to know if COVID affects our VO2 max. So Cindy did have COVID and I'm so glad she's feeling better now. Let's talk a little bit about that. So just so people understand what is VO2 max, VO2 max is the maximum rate of oxygen your body is able to use during exercise. And obviously oxygen is a critical ingredient in the respiratory process that's involved in our breathing. 
And as you breathe in oxygen, your lungs absorb and turn it into energy, what you may have heard before called ATP. Now ATP powers your cells and helps release the carbon dioxide that's created during your respiratory process when you exhale. Now the benefits are pretty simple. The greater your VO2 max, the more oxygen your body can consume and the more effectively your body can use that oxygen to generate the maximum amount of ATP energy. So VO2 max is a great way to sort of identify how your fitness level is going. You really want a nice high VO2 max. It's great to see it increasing, um, but there's really like, in order to measure that kind of thing, that's really particular. You can't do that just at home. You have to go and be like tested in a facility. Now your Garmin will give you an approximate VO2 max, but I'm not sure exactly how accurate that type of thing is. Now, in terms of COVID, in 2020, I did as much research as I could, and that was the most I could find right now on VO2 max. The CDC did um, have a study that was done, and their key findings were that the VO2, let's see, the VO2 max was lower in recovered military recruits with symptomatic COVID-19 compared to recruits who had not had COVID. So in recovered recruits, there was a significant decrease in VO2 max compared with a baseline measure obtained prior to illness. And they had said that that was about three months prior. I believe they had done a test three months prior to when these people got COVID. Um, basically, at the end of all of their tests, they said a decrease in pulmonary aerobic capacity was observed among military recruits who recovered from COVID. So yes, it does look like there was some impact. However, I would love to see more studies on that. That was that was in 2020, that was pretty early. And then I think you have to understand that there's a lot of variables involved in this whole thing because a lot of people who get COVID have to do what? I mean, it's recommended, especially if they're symptomatic, to take off all exercise. You're supposed to be in recovery. So I know my husband's just getting over COVID and um, he thankfully had been vaccinated twice and boosted. And so his symptoms weren't terrible, but he definitely had chest congestion and felt the sort of fatigue uh, and whatnot for like two plus weeks. And so he was not able to work out, nor was it recommended that he work out until he felt really 100%. So if you think about it, if you get COVID and you're not working out, then that inactivity alone creates a decline in your aerobic conditioning and that affects your VO2 max. So when you stop exercising, both VO2 max and the heart's ability to pump blood efficiently, both of those things will decline just because you stopped exercising. And so that's really important to note as well. And I would love to see a study done that takes that into account because 
how much of your VO2 max right now is going down because you had COVID, but how much of it is because you had to stop working out for two to four weeks, potentially even more. So either way, I think you need to understand that yes, it's very possible your VO2 max was impacted by COVID. Do I think you can't get it back? I don't. I mean, I think you can get it back. I don't think you have to worry about it. I just think you have to make sure that you recover fully from COVID before you go back to exercise. I think if you go back too early, you're gonna set yourself up for a situation where you're never getting 100% well. It's like coming back too early from an injury. It's like it never fully goes away. I think you're gonna drag out your recovery of COVID if you don't let it fully out of your system and you have your energy back before you get back into something like running again. So something to think about, but I think you're absolutely gonna be fine, Cindy, and um, you just need to ease back in and not be hard on yourself as we all are when you're feeling slower and you're feeling sluggish and your heart rate's high. It's just gonna take some time. So take the proper time to ease back in and not just start back where you were before. All right, next question from Kristen M. She wants to know what I eat on my birthday. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, so I'm wondering if you just kind of like want to know what my favorite things to eat are, like when I would like on a splurge or something. Um, but generally on my birthday, I go to my favorite restaurant. So if you live in Austin, you probably know my favorite restaurant is Uchi, which is the best sushi of all time. And I've had sushi in a lot of places. I'm just going to put it out there. And uh, Uchi is definitely my favorite. So I love a good sushi restaurant. Um, Mexican food is definitely a fave of mine too, though. I'm not going to lie. I do love Mexican food. And so sometimes I would get that. And then my favorite dessert that I would love is cheesecake. I love, love, love cheesecake. And so if someone said, what do you want for your birthday? I'd probably say, well, cheesecake. <laughs> and I like like traditional New York cheesecake. I don't want anything in it. I don't want the cookies in it or the chocolate in it. No, I like straight Cheesecake, no flavoring of any sort. So there you have it. All right, Miss Susan Burton, she had a question. She said, when you are guiding me through a long static hold like a plank, and she said that because we just had to hold a long plank in ETB Live the other week. <laughs> she says, I pretend I'm on Survivor and I have to win the challenge. When you are guided by your coach to get through something, what is your focus and where does your mind go? So many times it's not about strength, but it can be a mental battle to get to the other side. So do you have tips that we can all put into play? So... When you say so many times, it's more um, about the mental than the strength. I would say like 99% of the time it's mental. Yeah, so much of this is mental. Whether we are holding a static plank, whether we are holding a wall squat, or whether we are trying to get through 26.2 miles in a race, the most important thing in those things is your mental game, right? And so for me, definitely it's running, although I hold the planks with you and I hold the wall squats and I do pretty much the same thing, whether I'm running or whether I'm holding a plank for a long period of time. Uh, I personally, how I get through is I try to take my mind off of what I'm doing. And so I play a lot of games in my head. 
<laughs> and this probably started, like I started coming up with all these games when I was training for Ironmans. Because let me tell you, if I have to be on a bike for six plus hours, and I don't wear, you can't, you should not wear headphones or music when you're on a bike. It's very dangerous to be outside on the road with your ears covered. So that's six and a half hours of a lot of me time. And that is when I started coming up with all kinds of games. Now, some of these I walk uh, clients through in my Run Power program. I talk and I give you some kind of ideas of, okay, this is what I want you to focus on right now so that you can get through this next two minute push or whatever it might be. Um, one of my games is just a counting game. It could be anything from counting to 100 or 500. Yes, I will count to 500 sometimes. Sometimes I count in tens and twenties. Sometimes I count in sixes just to keep my mind like going. It's a little harder to count in sixes than it is in tens, right? So give yourself these fun games because let me tell you, if I've counted in sixes up to 100, I'm already up the hill that I wanted to get through, but I didn't want to think about. Another game I play, or I played it a lot on that bike, um, is the song game. So I go through every letter of the alphabet and I have to sing a song in my head. I do not sing out loud. I have to sing a song in my head that started with that letter. So for example, like A, um, I would sing ABC by the Jackson 5. Uh, B, that I would sometimes stay with the theme and I would sing Beat It by Michael Jackson. So I would go all the way through the alphabet while I was on my bike or sometimes when I'm on a run or maybe when I'm holding a wall squat and I try to see how many songs I can get through. Now, I will say this, there's a few letters I could never come up with a song for. So give it a try and let me know if you have trouble with a few of those letters too. X was definitely one of those letters. So that's really what I do, Susan. Um, it is such a mental game for sure. And so getting out of your head can often be the best way to do it. And then the last thing I do, which is what I guided you guys through at ETB Live, is going through your form while you're holding the pose. So if you're holding a wall squat or a plank, it's like, okay, start from the top of your head, go down to your feet. Where should your head alignment be? Where should your shoulder alignment be? And walk yourself down every area so that you're perfecting your form while you're doing this very difficult posture and making it the best it could be. Because if your form is really good, that's gonna mean you're using less energy. Because usually when your form starts to decline, that's when things really fall apart. So all of those things, great things, give them a try. Let me know how they go. Now the next two questions that I have left are garden questions and I just about fell off my chair. I was so excited. Everybody, um, most everybody knows I have a garden obsession. So these last two questions are for the garden. I save them for the end in case you're not interested in gardening. Um, that's it on the fitness and health. But they were really good questions and just so you know, if you garden or are inspired to garden or wish you could garden or you just, you wanna check this kind of stuff out, I do have a new website. It is garden to healthy.com you can use the number two as in the number garden to healthy.com i'm also on instagram garden to healthy.com if you want to check out some of the foods that i grow and i include a lot of nutrition information on why i grow these things and the benefits to the body so julie t she asked how do you deal with mosquitoes in your garden have you found a bug spray that is healthy and effective enjoying my backyard is starting to be a struggle with mosquito bites so 
Couple things on that. Um, I do not spray anything. First of all, I don't spray my garden with anything. I'm a completely organic gardener and I don't like to spray that kind of stuff on myself. Now, generally, we don't have a lot of mosquitoes, but last year we definitely did. And so if you're asking like, how do you survive so that you're not covered in mosquito bites, really the best thing you can do is dress for it. So I do wear full garden overalls out there usually in the summer, even though it's so hot. Um, and even long sleeves. And then please wear a wide brimmed hat so that your face and your ears and everything is covered for um, sun protection reasons. So covering yourself is probably the best way that you can go. Um, I'm sure there are lots of bug sprays you can put on yourself if that's what you meant, like how to protect yourself from it. But I personally, I don't like to put any of that stuff on because I feel like it's kind of toxic and it goes into your skin. Another thing you want to make sure if you, anybody has a mosquito problem in their homes or, you know, in their backyards is you just want to make sure you eliminate any standing water in the area. If you have any like puddle areas or things where the water sort of collects and you have like pots out there with nothing in them, but then they collect with water from the rain. That's where all those mosquitoes get started. So you do want to eliminate standing water in the area too. Um, just so you know, I also recently got some SUV protection gear, meaning I'm wearing a full long sleeve shirt outside, but it's SUV protection gear. So even though it's long sleeve, it's really breathable. So I can wear it in the summertime and not die of heat. I got into this SUV protection gear because I had a bit of a skin scare in the last month. I had a spot on my ear that didn't look right and I started freaking out because I realized I wear a visor in the garden. I wear a visor when I run and guess what? I don't put sunblock on my ears and sadly I don't put enough sunblock anywhere on my body. Well, I wasn't then. Anyway, the sunspot ended up being fine. It was nothing, but it put a scare into me and made me realize that we really need to be protecting our skin way more and we don't think of things like the top of our ears. So now I do not go into the garden without sunblock, but also my wide brim hat. I no longer wear a visor. So that's just a little reminder to us all. All right, and Inga, Inga asked, what do you spray on your organic plants to keep the tiny critters from eating your veggie garden? Well, as I said, I am a completely 100% organic gardener. And when I say completely 100%, I mean, I don't even spray neem oil, which people consider to be organic um, on my plants. I don't spray one thing on my plants that I'm going to eat. So that means I do a lot of hand picking. So on my kale, um, I have to pick off all the cute little caterpillars that are eating it every single day in the summertime. If you stay on top of it, it's not that big a deal. If I'm gone for like a few days or even a week and I come back, it could be completely infested with caterpillars and they'll eat right through a, a lot of your stuff. So I love to garden, so I'm in my garden at least twice a day. And so really the best thing you can do is go through your garden and pay attention and look at every plant and look under the leaves. And if you see little eggs underneath, squish them with your fingers, get them off your plants. If you see caterpillars, take them off as fast as you can. Um, back when I had chickens, which I don't have anymore because a bobcat got them, um, I would feed my chickens those awesome little caterpillars. Now I squish them. <laughs> it was much better giving them to the chickens. So that's pretty much it. Now, I mean, I don't know what other tiny critters you're talking about. I mean, some people do have rabbit problems, um, squirrel problems. I don't have those. Again, knock on wood. 
I don't have those issues in my garden. If you do, then you have to create some kind of barrier where you're putting up some kind of netting or fencing around your actual garden bed to keep those kind of critters out. Also planting more than not. So sometimes it's like maybe they get one plant, but you have another one that's totally fine. And sometimes we just have to share with nature. <laughs> that can happen too. But, um, but generally that's it. You just have to be really aware in your garden. You have to be willing to pick things out and be willing to get in there every day to, to save your plants. I know it's so hard when you work so hard and you come out and you're like, oh my God, there was a completely whole cucumber there yesterday. I was gonna harvest it today and now it's gone. Like, you know, a squirrel got it or the deer get it, you know, whatever it could be, it's a real heartbreak. So I totally get it, hang in there, keep checking your, your veggies out there. And that's the best way, in my opinion, that you can do it. All right, everybody, that is Ask Me Anything. It was a good episode. If you have any questions for next time, definitely let me know, Kim at EarnThatBody.com. Do follow me at EarnThatBody.com on Instagram and Facebook because that is where I generally will post, hey, do you have a question? Or it's a great way just to get that fitness health inspiration every single day as well. I've had people tell me, hey, I was having sort of a bad morning, I wasn't gonna work out, and then I saw your Instagram post and it totally revived me and I got the best workout in. That's why I post every day for that kind of response. Like if I could just help inspire one person to get a workout in or to eat healthy, then I have done my job. All right, everybody, Earn That Body podcast, always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information you can put into play right away. Take care. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com. Or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.